Good morning, San Bonani, Molueni, Huyamora. Welcome to Every Nation Rosebank. Before we pray, I'm going to make some introductory remarks, and Quentin is going to take us through the flow of the day, and then without any waste of time, we're going to hand over to our speakers. I thought to myself when I saw the people that are in this room this morning that you guys must really, really be thinking seriously about the land to wake up early on a Saturday morning to be here. Can you just give yourselves a round of applause for being here this morning? I know some people didn't come out of bed for whatever reasons that they wouldn't come out of bed. So welcome to Every Nation Rosebank. We are part of a global movement that is in 78 countries in the world. We have 10 congregations here in Johannesburg. We are honored and blessed to have other members from other congregations here with us and people from other churches uh, outside every nation and people from different backgrounds. The vision of this church is to see lives, communities, and society transformed through the Word, the presence, and the power of God. At the core of who we are as every nation, it is about transforming our city, Johannesburg, transforming our nation, and transforming the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are passionate about nation building. And how apt it is that today we have this land think tank, a day after Africa Day. Happy belated Africa Day, if you missed it. May I take this opportunity to remind us of what the scriptures say about us, the church, the body of Christ. We are the salt and the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That is from Matthew chapter 5. Today the church is on the hill and regaining its prophetic voice and its prophetic model to the nation. And we can say amen for that. The church is also a pillar and foundation of truth from 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. Psalm 89 verse 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. I believe we will never experience justice fully without righteousness. We need both justice and righteousness together. Let me borrow from one of the great leaders who's ever lived in history, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He says this, it is not possible to be in favor of justice for some people and not to be in favor of justice for all people. Let me read that again. It is not possible to be in favor of justice for some people and not be in favor of justice for all people. Martin Luther King Jr. also said, the church is the moral compass of society. So friends, today as we approach this topic of the land with this objective, this one objective to grapple with principles we learn from Scripture and also how we as Christians can contribute to the discourse that is facing our nation. Today is a start of a process. Let me emphasize, today is a start of a process of developing a sense of what we as Every Nation Church understand as a biblical view on the land issue within the South African context. We also believe that people should have a voice, and dialogue is part of the journey, to give people an opportunity to air their voice 
and that's what we'll be doing today. Our aim is to make a submission on the land expropriation without compensation, and today's session will give us a framework and content for that submission. The outcome of today will inform the every nation leaders on how we can make the submission. In conclusion, although the views of the speakers, the panelists, and participants may not necessarily represent the views of every nation, we have invited the speakers today because of their experience, reputation, passion, and wisdom. So today serves as a step towards the direction of formulating a collective view as every nation leaders. If the church is not going to provide solutions or be part of giving solutions to the issues facing our nations, who is going to give those answers? Who is going to give those solutions if we, the church, don't rise up this hour? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves before you this morning. We acknowledge you as King, as Lord, as Savior of our hearts. Today we ask for your guidance. We ask, Father, that God, even as we discuss today, that we will come with open hearts to be changed, to be challenged, and to walk away with the perspective of heaven. Father, I pray knowing that on our own, we may not have all the answers, but with you, Father, we can get solutions that will help our nation in this hour. We pray that your name be glorified in all that we will do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Quentin. Morning, everybody. Uh, so I want to start off with a story, a particular time in history. I don't know if it's true, but it's a great story nonetheless. The Pope decided that all the Jewish people in Rome should leave. And the Jewish leadership were very upset by this and went to the Pope, said, this cannot happen. He said, but I'm the Pope, it's going to happen. So after a little bit of negotiation, they decided that there would be a debate between the Pope and a champion from the Jewish community. The Jewish community needed to find their champion. So they went to business, and nobody from business wanted to debate the Pope. Uh, civil society, uh, religious institutions, nobody from the Jewish community wanted to debate the Pope. Eventually they found Joshua, a cleaner in the synagogue, and they said, Joshua, the people in Rome, the Jewish people in Rome, are depending upon you to debate the Pope. Will you do it? And at first he was a little bit uh, not so sure, but he said, yes, I will, but I have conditions. Joshua, what are those conditions? He said that it's a silent debate. Silent debate? He said, sure. So they went to the Pope. They said, we have our champion, but he has conditions. The Pope uh, said, sure. And he looked at uh, Joshua's resume, and after looking at Joshua's resume, he said, sure, bring it on. So on a particular day, the whole of Rome came to watch the debate between the Pope and Joshua. And so the Pope started like this. Immediately, without batting an eyelid, Joshua did this. The Pope was shocked that Joshua could reply so quickly. So on the back foot, the Pope did this. And again, instantaneously, Joshua did this. Now the Pope was really nervous, and so he clicked his fingers, and some priests and cardinals ran on, and he pointed to this, and they opened it up. It was Holy Communion. And again, without batting an eyelid, Joshua pulls out an apple. The Pope throws his hands up and says the Jewish people have won the debate and storms off the stage. The Jewish people pick Joshua up, sing and celebrate as they go back to the synagogue. So behind closed doors, they said, Your Holiness, what happened? He said, Well, I started with the big guns, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's right. What was Joshua's reply? That there is one God. How could I deny that? Fair enough. 
So what did you do then? I said, I went for something more universal. I said that God is all around us. And what was, your, what was Joshua's reply? He said that God is right here in our midst. I could feel him. How could I deny that? Fair enough. So what did you do then? Well, I brought out something that there's no argument against. You cannot argue against holy sacrament. It's impossible. There's no argument against it. You're right, your holiness. But what did Joshua do? He pulled out an apple to remind me of the fall of man and the need for grace. Thus, the Jewish people won the debate. Fair enough. So back at the synagogue with singing and celebrating, they said, Joshua, tell us what happened. He said, the Pope gave us three days before we need to leave. And what did you say? I said, not one day are we leaving. Not one. That's right, Joshua. Then what did the Pope do? He said, he's going to gather us all up and we'll have to leave. And what did you say? I said, we're staying right here. That's right. That's right, Joshua. Then what did the Pope do? He said, oh. Then the Pope did something strange. What did he do? He brought his lunch. And what did you do? I took my lunch out. <laughs> now, I like that story. On multiple levels. I think it explains my relationship between me and my mother-in-law. Um, I think it explains a lot of what happens in businesses. And I think in terms of what we're talking about today, I think it explains a lot of why this is such a contentious issue. Because we are showing a whole bunch of things that we believe to be right. And somebody else is seeing it from a very different point of view. And so we want to be able to set the rules of engagement so that we're not taking the chairs off the hinges and throwing it at one another by the end of today because somebody did this and I thought it meant something else. And so we really want to engage around that. And so for me, it's about how do organizations think? When me and you think, what do we do? We have a conversation with ourselves. For an organization to think, it needs its people to speak. And so today, for me, um, every nation or the church in Johannesburg as an organization, is thinking about the land issue. And for us to do that, uh, we need to speak together with one another. We need to think together and speak together. And so it's important for me to say this, that it's not about simply reporting on our old thoughts. Uh, the problem is that we have these kind of conversations, and I, I've been watching the, the, the WhatsApp group. Uh, a lot of people have come very prepared uh, for the conversation this morning. There's theses being written, people are reading lots of books, and so I feel a lot of us have come into the room with a lot of ammunition. And so for me, I need to talk about two things. So the first thing is, we're not having a discussion today. A discussion, a, the root word of discussion means to break apart. And if I'm coming into the room to have a discussion, if I have a, a particular point of view and Sai has a particular point of view, if we have a discussion, I walk out of the room with my point of view more intact. And so what I really want us to consider having is a dialogue. And a dialogue says, I come into the room with my point of view. Simon comes into the room with his point of view. And we walk out of this room today with a new point of view, something that hasn't existed yet. But for us to do that, it means that we need to humble ourselves. It means that we need to understand that um, I don't necessarily have the answers. And so we talk about this thing, creating a safe space to have dialogue. And so the first thing that we need to think about when we're having the safe space, is to listen. Um, and listening, uh, there's this person that once said, I always thought that I needed to be prepared to talk. It never occurred to her that she needed to be prepared to listen. And so the encouragement for every one of you, as much as you have got reams of documents that you've come into the room with and uh, armed yourself with, um, I want you to be prepared to listen as much as you're willing 
to, to, to listen and, and talk. Uh, listening says seeking to hear the others, uh, what the other person is actually saying and not um, putting my thoughts and opinions on that. It's like the man and a woman driving down the road and the woman shouts out of a car, pig! The man gets incensed, rolls down his window and shouts at the woman, cow! And then he drives around the corner and drives into a pig, right? <laughs> and so the idea is that uh, when somebody says something today, are you a bit slow with the jokes, uh, but that's okay, you're warming up. It's a Saturday morning. It's a Saturday morning. So it's important to make sure that when somebody's saying something, you're not putting your interpretation of what that person is saying, but really just say, what is the person really saying? The other thing around listening I often think we miss is listening to ourselves in these conversations. So no doubt today, one of our speakers, one of the participants is going to say something that is going to touch you. It's going to show you Pugatti inside. It's going to make the hair on the back of your head stand up, and you're going to want to respond. My question to you is to say, let me take a step back and listen to myself. And uh, now because I'm in church context, I can say, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me during this time, right? Because I often feel when we become anxious, when we become angry or frustrated by what somebody's saying, I think it's more about me than what the person's actually saying. And it's more about what do I need to learn from this. And so during the day, when you begin to feel that anxiety, that anger bubbling up inside of you, I want you to take a step back and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me during this? What is it that I'm missing? So listening is one is about listening to others, but also listening to ourselves. The next thing that I want us to think about is respect. And um, can you remember the day you were born? I, I, I asked this once and the guy put his hand up and said, I remember the day I was conceived. And I thought that's a, a different kind of uh, consciousness that I'm not aware of. But um, if you think of a, a baby in a family, how that baby is loved, Right? People send you gifts. Your whole family comes to a standstill. But, um, uh, but the baby is actually quite useless if you think about it. It can't contribute to society. can't dress itself. It's completely reliant on somebody. But yet we love it. But now most of you have a bank balance. You're contributing to society. You're somehow engaging more differently. But yet you loved less today than you were on the day you were born. And so when we talk about respect today, when somebody's speaking, it's to respect them primarily because they're made in God's image that they're a human being. And when we begin to expect, um, respect each other, it's about this thing that I, I like. It says it's uh, respecting the legitimacy of another point of view, the legitimacy of, of the other. And so we want to say when we respect, we need to look again and not judge on first impressions in terms of who is speaking here and uh, just to take that step back. And in the problem in South Africa is often we have the tendency to listen to who is saying what, not what they are saying. And so if it's a white person saying something, I already have a particular response to that. If it's a black person saying something, I have a particular response to that. And to say, can we step away um, from that? And so we need to respect the genuineness and the intention of what people are saying. The second to last thing I want to speak about is suspending, letting go of our sense of correctness. I'm sure each of us walked in the room here today saying, what I've read about, what I know is right. What I'm asking you to do is please to let go of that sense of correctness. And many of us, I think, have walked into the room like this bottle of water that's full of opinions. And because um, I'm thirsty, I'll just take a sip. But can I ask us to empty a little bit of ourselves so our opinions are not full, that we create space to say, can my opinion uh, be, be changed? Can I have less of myself here? Um, and the last thing about suspending is about holding your beliefs lightly. 
in order so that other people can share their opinions. I'm not saying cheaply, so don't hold your opinions cheaply, but hold them lightly so that other people can feel that they can engage. The last one is voicing, and it's important for us to voice today. Voice authentically with integrity and honesty from the heart. We've often heard the saying, be brutally honest. I think sometimes we're more brutal than we're honest. And so today when we engage, can we have less brutality and more honesty as we engage with one another? Overcome self-censorship. So don't be afraid to rock the boat today. Don't be afraid to say things that you maybe believe and say, oh, I don't know if Jesus, no, Jesus would say that. He would encourage you to say what you need to say. So don't self-suspend or suspend your voice today. Really begin to engage. And so the last three words I want you to think about when we think about voicing is have courage. When we have courage, you can't teach somebody to be courageous. It's caught like a flu. And when one person stands up and becomes courageous, other people feel they can become courageous. Let's have some sincerity in the room. And is there congruency in what you're saying and what you're believing? Or is it just a, a sort of a nice place to voice my opinions, but there's no congruency in what I'm sharing today? And then uh, remember, as people are sharing today, that a lot of people are sharing with a lot of historical baggage. It might not be their baggage. It might be their parents' baggage. And so there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of fear, and there's a lot of anger in the room around this. And so to have that in the back of your mind as people engage. Um, if things become heated and people want to rip out chairs, myself and Siv are going to jump in and say, stop, and please, if you can uh, adhere to the referees today, that'll be really great. Um, and then keep to the time frames. We're already running a little behind, so I'm trying to keep to the time frames as much as possible. And then the last thing I'll say this before I go into the actual logistics of the day is that... Um, Jesus said that we would be, I hope it's Jesus that said this, but um, uh, we will be known as his disciples by the way we love one another, right? And so this, it was Jesus. I'm getting people saying the thumbs up. Okay. Shoo. It wasn't uh, somebody else. Okay. Good. And so for me, what's far more important today is how we engage with one another and that that becomes a witness to the world, that we can have really difficult conversations. We can have different opinions, but how we engage with one another becomes the light and the witness to the rest of the world. And so after I've spoken, uh, Simon's going to introduce the three speakers. We'll have a break. After the break, we'll come back, and those speakers will have an opportunity to answer some questions. We'll have a, a couple of other panelists up here. Then we're going to break up into small groups and have an opportunity to talk about what we've heard this morning, and then we'll come back and close. The other thing is that once the speakers are coming up, at the back of the board will come up a, a number where you can then send your questions. So we're going to be high-tech, high-touch uh, this morning. So you can send your questions uh, online to that, and then myself and Siv will make sure that during the panel discussion, those questions get aired to, to the panelists. Sai, is there anything else I should have said? Okay, cool. Thank you. Good luck, and I look forward to engaging with you for the rest of the day. Thanks. Thank you, Quentin. As you can tell, Quentin not only is a facilitator, but he can easily be a comedian. <laughs> Great. I'm now going to take time to introduce our speakers. Um, I'm just going to give some highlights because we are privileged to have them with us. These are people with very long CVs. Our first speaker is going to be Dr. Wallace, and I have been practicing his surname for the last four weeks. Ngoki. Close. <laughs> Dr. Wallace is uh, currently a commissioner for the gender equality. He's also the acting judge at the Land Claims Court. Uh, Dr. Wallace studied at the University of Fort Hare 
towards his BA in social work, later studied with UNISA to complete his LLB and studied with the University of Cape Town. Dr. Wallace has also been part of the Graduate School of Design at Harvard, Cambridge, and Massachusetts University, where I come from, we'll say Lotata is schooled. Dr. Mnoki has also been appointed in various positions, including the Commission for Ikapa Municipality and other local municipalities. He's also worked as a Cape Town City Manager. Uh, he has been appointed as a Chief Land Claims Commissioner. Uh, okay, finally, finally. He is married to Dolly Carroll, Nonya Meko, and they have three children, Bolumko, Lindiwe, and Nomvoyo. Soon after that, we're going to have uh, Renee, who will be speaking. Renee August, a good friend of, of this house. It's not the first time she's been here, and she'll be fellowshipping with us tomorrow. She's an Anglican priest from the Diocese of Cape Town, South Africa. She's lived and worked in the inner city of Cape Town for about five years. She's ministered in London for five years, also started her own consulting company, focusing on facilitation, process design, and project management. Renee serves on a number of boards, focusing on the theological reflection and contextual missions. Renee is the only person that I know that takes people to Robben Island for a retreat. I'm getting ready for my retreat to Robben Island. So happy to have you with us, Renee. Mr. Graham Codrington will be our final speaker. He's an internationally recognized futurist. He's specializes in the future of work and has helped companies across the world to understand the forces that will shape our lives in the next 10 years. Graham is worth listening to because he has five degrees, five best-selling books, and lectures at five international universities, including London Business School and Duke. All right, you can send your CVs right now to, or your application. But don't worry, he's not a boring academic. And uh, we're looking forward to our time with Graham this morning.